Greetings, Sequel Questers, and welcome to this bonus episode of Sequel Quest. You know, we had a lot of fun talking about the 1987 Dolph Lundgren film, Masters of the Universe, and uh, what we imagined, you know, really a, a more faithful sequel could be. So we hope you enjoyed all the wild fantasy action adventure we threw at you. But th- the truth is that Masters of the Universe has such a history in pop culture, you know, from the toys, to the cartoons, the live action, that uh, we could have spent a whole show just talking about He-Man and, and the gang there, which is why we actually are bringing you this special bonus episode with a special guest. So who is this mystery host? Well, he is the uh, webmaster at RetroDays.org. He is a devoted fan of Masters of the Universe and uh, even has some official ties to the world of Eternia. So I'm excited to introduce you to Tony, a.k.a. Vaporman87. So uh, welcome to the Motu Lounge, Tony. Well, thank you for having me. And uh, I think might have been a little overboard with my... Uh credentials there but there <laughs> well just so you know folks this is going to be a little bit different than a, than a normal show it's just tony and myself having just a free-form conversation about you know our memories and appreciation for all the fun that's been brought to us over the years by mattel and filmation and all the other you know people who have continued the the legacy of masters of the universe but you know, let's just let's just jump on in here because I know we both have a, a lot to talk about. Tony, I guess really, you know, you kind of got to look at it. You you start at the beginning. How did you really become aware of Masters of the Universe? Was it the toy line? Was it the cartoon? How did you connect? I think um, initially, uh, my parents, probably like uh, most kids, uh, they had purchased me some of the figures during Christmas time. From there, I think my interest uh, in Masters of the Universe took off because I was also starting to draw a little bit. I was getting into art. I would kind of uh, use the figures as a a study for um, being able to uh, kind of draw characters and try to get the anatomy correctly and to get it drawn correctly. And I was just kind of basically using them as my... uh, my models for, <laughs> had he bad modeling for your art class huh? yeah right <laughs> and then um, once i uh, started watching the cartoon then it really became more of a a bigger part of uh, you know my whole routine as far as uh, cartoons and, and um i think uh, it was probably the one property that i you know i had to have everything and i had to always catch every episode and couldn't miss anything, you know, uh, oh, yeah. magazines and the coloring books and read-along books. And uh, if it was a Masters of the Universe related uh, toy or uh, anything, I had to had to have it. Yeah, and they, and they really made that possible, right? I mean, they, they pretty much just, Mattel and, and all the other licensors, they, they threw out as much merchandise as they could. I mean, it was, I mean, when you look at the, the history of of just what Mattel was going for at the time, like you know they had they had passed on the Star Wars licensing, right? Lucas had come to them. They said, "Oh, thanks, but you know we want to." I mean, as I understand it, they were saying that essentially they needed a television property. They didn't think a movie property. They're like, "Well, it's in theaters and it's gone, so that Not, you don't have promotion." Definitely. You know, we we want a television property. So thanks, but no thanks. Is that do I understand that correctly? 
probably know that better than I do, but the, if that were the case, that was uh, yeah, <laughs> not, not their, their finest moment. Absolutely, yeah. And, and, but, so <laughs> when they finally got Masters of the Universe and they, you know, they got the whole concept together and it was such a success off the bat, I mean, they made so much money just in kind of a two-year span that pretty much they just, they really were throwing the name on everything and doing what they could. Uh, to yeah. to make to make up for lost time, I guess all the money that Star Wars had already started making years yeah, that, prior. That's one of the peculiar things about Masters of the Universe: the uh, the time frame that they had, uh, you know, from the time it became one of the biggest products out there, one of the best-selling uh, toys had been produced, you know, up to that point, and uh, all of a sudden, uh, I forget how many millions of dollars I'd read a book. I think Roger Sweet. Had written that book about mm-hmm. uh, I think that's his name. Yeah, mastering the universe. Yeah, yeah, Roger Sweet. yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, just uh, just the rise uh, of He-Man, the Masters of the Universe, and the sales that were going on up until I think uh, 83, 84, and then mm-hmm. 85, and then all of a sudden the bottom just drops out of it. Yeah, they had just like oversaturated the market. There was too yeah. much. People were just okay, 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 okay. We can't sell this much merchandise this many toys you've just their choices uh, are sending it back you know and exactly. it was just sad. i think they had pushed it to its limit once they reached a, a certain point the interest just dropped off yeah and i fa- think probably a lot of that had to do i think the cartoon had actually uh went off the air probably a year before or maybe even two years before the actual uh toy line had started to decline and yeah, well, because having... they they, they kind of they canceled Masters of the Universe, He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, and then let She-Ra kind of take over. Yeah. And it, I mean, it was still in syndication, obviously, but right. they, uh, they weren't producing new cartoons, and without that, I mean, to drive the sales. Yeah. I mean that they like you know that was the controversy right is that there there that it was you know a half hour commercial for for the toys but it really was I mean that's what made it work is you got excited every every you know day that you were tuning in to see the next episode and I'll just say like personally for me like you know you got in on the toys I got in on the cartoon because uh, I'm I'm a few years younger than you so you were there kind of right at the beginning. And I was kind of coming into my consciousness, you know, around like 86, 87, when right. everything was kind of in decline, but the cartoon was still around. Yeah, I think probably around 85 to 86, I would have been getting ready to enter my teenage years, but I still had, uh, this interest was still there. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of the kids my age, you know, they had kind of moved on to other things, <laughs> Transformers. I held on a little bit longer. <laughs> And I wasn't in a hurry to become a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles fan. Uh, I would always uh, basically hold on to uh, my He-Man fandom. So you were loyal to the After end. that was. <laughs> so now uh, the one thing, you know, obviously, you know, we're, we're kind of talking about the toys, talking about the cartoons. But when, when it comes to the figures, what was probably your favorite? Like what, what's the one that stands out to you that was just like, wow, you know, this is one I either played with the most or just had the best design or... Like, what, what is kind of the quintessential uh, Masters of the Universe figure for you? Well, that's easy. That would be Roboto. <laughs> yeah, I really don't know what it is about the figure. I think maybe because I also had a fascination with robots. Roboto uh, with the mechanism inside that, you know, his gears would turn. You'd turn it, his 
waist you can see right right through uh, into his inner parts and i just thought it was kind of a neat figure but i also uh like the idea of a robot in the masters universe storyline yeah i mean he's definitely he's definitely an impressive figure when you when you see roboto and like because didn't his mouth jaw move also when you turn yeah, him like yeah. I mean, he had so much going on just in that one action that it, it, i could see how that would definitely be mesmerizing you know you're just like wow this is so this is so similar to Similar to trap jaw, you could uh, you know put on different pieces on his mm-hmm. arm. I think he had a, a laser, maybe a, an axe-looking uh, uh, device you could put on his hand, and uh, maybe one or two other uh, parts that you could swap out there. So he had some neat features, and uh, I like the color scheme. It's just kind of wild with the. You had, you know, of course, the steel, the gray, but you also had uh, red and blue and purple and. Um, they just kind of, I think probably they had parts laying around and thought, what can we do? <laughs> no, did, to your knowledge, <laughs> did he, did he appear in the series? Cause I don't remember the episode with Roboto, but yeah, I yeah, probably just missed appear. it. <laughs> he was in the television series there. Okay. I don't know how many times. I don't think it was a, uh, I don't think it was a great number of times. I think probably I remember more of him from the uh, mini comic ah, okay. that was packaged with him. And of course those mini comics, you know, the, uh, the mythology in the mini comics differed greatly from the cartoon. You, know, you, you had, uh, I think he man didn't initially start out as a, you know, a Prince Adam, you know, I think they kind of introduced that in the cartoon and then they, adopted that in the mini comics but yeah i mean it's definitely because and and just so people understand like because i think sometimes there is that confusion it's kind of like a chicken or the egg type thing it's like was it a cartoon first was the toy line first it was definitely a toy line first so mattel kind of like created these stories within within their mini comics and and that, that just came packaged with the figures and i think he-Man was essentially just kind of like a kind of a, a warrior from a tribe, right? And then he meets right. a, a sorceress, and she gives him more power, you know. Like, but he was already kind of kind of mighty himself. And, and that just, was confusing for yeah. a kid. <laughs> you'd be, you know, would read the uh, mini comic, and then you'd turn around and watch the cartoon, and you you would think, you know, this something's not matching up here. Yeah. Well, yeah, you would you would hope there'd is... be that communication, but obviously not. Right. So that a little bit frustrating, especially if you were a, a big fan of the cartoon. You'd purchase a figure, you'd want to see that continue, that story continue in your mini comic, but it would be something totally different. The characters would be different colors, they'd have a different background story. I'm, sure, I'm sure there's plenty of like fan fiction out there that's tried to reconcile all of that, right? Somehow they've tried sure. to to bridge the gap there. <laughs> And probably even uh, I don't some professionally written yeah <laughs> there may be some books out there trying to bridge that gap there there's a lot of I don't know there's a lot of uh, material out there now uh, you know like when when you know, we go back to kind of the the favorite figures you know for me the one that always captured my imagination was the battle armor He Man or was it what, was that the official name or was it battle damage I'm trying yeah. to but essentially yeah, like armor, man. yeah about armor human. so you know basically you just every time he got punched in the chest you know with the sword or whatever you're doing with the the rival figure it would just show right. more damage it would flip and it would be more and more dented and i just had just hours of fun just tapping that with my thumb you know as a kid it just yeah you know, yeah that was kind damage. of a neat uh, feature that was the beginning of what you're talking about earlier the over saturation of uh, yeah it began with the the variants they wanted you to uh 
purchase He-Man over and over Skeletor over and over. And you had so <laughs> yeah. many different He-Mans and Skeletors. You had uh, almost got as ridiculous as the uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles variants. Oh yeah, were. which were really but wild. Not quite, yeah. quite. <laughs> they seem to have a lot more, a lot more leeway in the the TMNT world. <laughs> they were just all over yeah. the place. Yeah. Birthday party turtles and just like I was like, yeah. what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, but no, but yeah, with Masters of the Universe, they you know they just yeah added more gimmicks, but they you know they still kept it warrior based or whatever they were doing now what about like speaking of that then is there a figure that you kind of look at and you just say like this was absolutely just like the worst idea or most poorly produced or just one that always sticks out to you like why is it even here yeah (laughs) i think there are probably several yeah (laughs) i think the one that i had that i thought wow this was a total waste of money was uh extendar (laughs) it's kind of like a uh Poor man's mechanic, you know, yeah. Yeah. except he could extend all of his uh, body parts, his uh, arms, his legs, his neck, and uh, I thought, what, a, you know, what's the point of this? You've already <laughs> kind of done this with mechanic, and uh, I think they were running out of ideas and. Well, that that's what's funny. I I was watching actually just recently the some of the the toy commercials. Extendar commercials pretty hilarious because He Man's like, oh no, I can't reach this thing. (laughs) They go, Extendar can do it. They show him, you know, stretching out. You're like, wow, because you know Mechanek can just look, right? Oh, Mechanek can see really far, but he can't do anything with his neck, you know. So you know, you gotta have Extendar to to bridge the gap there, I guess, for (laughs) to make up the difference you know for me um i i always think about too bad the reason being like just the figure itself was designed so poorly that he punched himself in the face didn't he like yeah. he had two arms but yeah. they just two heads and he would just punch himself like well, what was he good for i, I never understood <laughs> like how how is he going to intimidate he-man when he's <laughs> knocking himself out you know just yeah, i think um that was not one of my not one of the my Better liked figures. Yeah, uh, he didn't. He didn't join in in a lot of the adventures that uh, that I had there in my bedroom. <laughs> didn't make the cut. Oh. Uh, and I probably uh, Snout Spout was another one that uh, I, I liked his design, but uh, you know, spraying water, uh, just not. Yeah. Not gonna really intimidate the bad guy. Well, <laughs> the other one always confused me was Zodak. Because I was just like, he's he's a spaceman, spaceman with yeah, a gun. Yeah, and, and they they that was another thing where they uh, didn't do a good job of keeping any uh, cohesion between the <laughs> between the cartoon and the mini comic. Yeah, there's the, some confusion. Is he a good guy? Is he a bad guy? Because wasn't like the toy said he was a bad guy. Is that yeah, right? on the toy? Oh. on the toy back, the cart back. You know, it's explained that he's an evil yeah. cosmic imposter. <laughs> First in the really long story and the cartoon, he he's a good guy, and I think uh, I prob I'm guessing probably at that point they had just stuck evil on there because they needed to make the numbers even. You had Superman, <laughs> yeah. You had maybe one too many good guys, and so they thought we're just gonna slap evil right here in front of Zodak, and uh, that'll even things out. Yeah, yeah. Now, I, I have a question just in your, I, I don't know how much research you've done, but there is, you know, as, as we're still kind of talking about the Mattel development of the toys, there is a quite a division, I understand it, in the, in the world of Masters of the Universe fandom um, where 
There's the gentleman we mentioned earlier, Roger Sweet, who's kind okay. of like the project manager of, of the Masters of the Universe line at Mattel. And then he claims, obviously, that he came up with with the He-Man concept. You know, he, he built the figures. He really just conceived everything he wanted it to be. But there's, all, there's another gentleman who's gotten, as I understand it, a lot more press over the years. He's kind of been more vocal about claiming he created He-Man. And that's a, a designer named Mark Taylor, right? Yeah, and I think uh, there's actually a documentary being produced. Yeah, Toy Masters. Yeah. I can't wait for that. And I think that'll probably um, settle some of Hopefully. that. Or at least get people informed uh, and help us to better understand what exactly was happening there in Mattel when, when all of that was going down. Yeah. The, now, the trailer for that is actually pretty hilarious. Like, they have this scene where they're showing Roger Sweet watching an interview with Mark Taylor where he's saying <laughs> that, and he's like, that is nothing but pure barbarian fiction. Yeah. <laughs> I just love that phrase, barbarian yeah. fiction. There's some I mean, animosity there, I think. Absolutely. Uh, probably little... not something that'll be settled by a documentary, but at least uh, fans will will have a better... Yeah. Yeah, able able to weigh in. I mean, the the way I look at it, I just like you know, if I'm going to throw my opinion out right now, is I, I look at Roger Sweet's book, and he's got so many details in there. He's got all the dates and like the submittal, you know, of of this proposal and this design and all of that. Like, I just have to believe he was really in charge of this thing. Like, I have to believe that he he really put it together. Like, Mark Taylor may have finalized maybe the look of some things, but I I think you know if you're going to say who is the father of he-Man. I currently, you know, put my vote in for Roger Sweet, but maybe time he, will tell on that one. Apparently, he foresaw uh, some a dispute like this uh, because to have that much information, right. Either documented or you know committed to memory, <laughs> he had to foresee something uh, within Mattel there that made him think I should probably put my name on some of what's happening yeah. here. I don't know, uh, know how much of a difference that would really make to the fans necessarily. But, uh, now, I now I'm they... curious, like, you know, because, you know, there's obviously the toys were a huge part of it. But I, I feel like the cartoon really is what, you know, got people's hearts, you know, just the opening, the, you know, credits of the show were enough to to get anybody devoted i think you know just the transformation sequence of he-man and all yeah. of that but um what what are what were kind of your thoughts in watching a cartoon you said you you know you watched it religiously does was there a favorite character on the cartoon because you know that can differ a toy versus a character how they're portrayed in a show yeah like, uh, you mainly with? because uh, Rubato was like i said not often portrayed in the cartoon and he didn't come along until later but usually i would want to see I didn't like any of the episodes that didn't have Skeletor. I wouldn't say that it, he was my favorite character in the cartoon, but I, if it was an episode that maybe I had seen before and I knew that Skeletor wasn't the antagonist in that particular episode, I might actually not <laughs> catch that episode. <laughs> skip to whatever else. Yeah. Uh, if, and even if it was you know, Count Marzo or uh, uh, some of the other uh, wizards, um, yeah. Nephthu, you know, they would have... Uh, the occasional bad guy that had nothing to do with Skeletor and even minions. For some reason, that bored me. I didn't. <laughs> if it didn't have Skeletor or any of his uh, henchmen you know, up to no good, I just wouldn't catch the episode. Uh, but as far as uh, the character, uh, a favorite, probably as a kid, I liked Orko. 
Um, I like the the humor that he brought to it, but I wouldn't say he was a favorite. <laughs> um, I don't know that I could choose one, to be honest. I don't know, uh, and I don't know that I had one back then. Oh, yeah, you just enjoyed it overall. I mean, I, I'm with you yep. on Orko. Like, he was definitely, like, essentially, like, I would get my He-Man fix. Like I said, during the opening credits, that's really what I was there for. I wanted to watch the transformation. I wanted Cringer to turn into Battle Cat. And they gave that to you the first 10 seconds. So then, yeah. like, why was I still watching? I was always on board for Orko and just being, you know, you know, messing something up and just, like, you know, the pitch of his voice and just everything. Right. Like, I remember the I enjoyed the figure a lot, too, when I finally had that, you know, and his little spinning action, whatever he did when he pulled the, the ripcord. Right. But like, but by the same token, you know, then I, then when I watched it, I was like, well, who was the character that just like bored me to death? And for me, it was Man at Arms because I just looked you at know, him and I was like, he's a, he's a boring old guy. I don't want to watch know, him. You know, he, he was kind of uh, he he <laughs> he was made to be a lot less um, effective, I think, in the cartoon yeah. than what you think. Just looking at him, you know, the figure. You figure this guy knows how to use a weapon. And I, you don't want to mess with him. But as far as the cartoon was concerned, like you said, he was a little inept and not all that. Not somebody that anybody was fearing, you know, in battle. Yeah, and it, with the name Duncan, why is he named yeah. Duncan? <laughs> Come on, that is not well, a warrior name here. Yeah, I don't think I feel like they could have done better with that. Um, <laughs> help, help us out here. Yeah, I don't know why that choice came about. Uh, I don't know. Maybe Poindexter was uh, passed up and they decided <laughs> Dexter was the next best thing or, or Duncan was the next best thing. Don't go away. We'll be back right after these messages. Hang with us. We had some Orco related problems last week. <laughs> now, what are the right words? Let's see. By the power of have a safe trip. Sleeping on the job again. So this week we are declaring Masters of the Universe Week. Stay tuned as we will drop more parts of this exciting interview throughout the week sprinkled in amongst our Masters of the Universe episode. <laughs> 